This is the Smart Passive Income Podcast with Pat Flynn, session number 126. Teddy Ruxpin. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, who records himself singing just so he can harmonize with himself, Pat Flynn. Now, as you know, I've been in the podcasting space for quite a long time now, and I've had a lot of success with the multiple shows and and episodes and even the courses I've created. Part of my success is due to how particular I've been in the tools that I use, and one of my favorite tools is Buzzsprout. For those of you who are not familiar with Buzzsprout, you need to be, because if you have a podcast or you're looking to start one, Buzzsprout is by far the easiest way to start podcasting, and they're making it even easier. This is a podcast host, and it allows you to get listed on all the top directories, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. I use it myself. They've provided advanced stats for us now so that you can track your podcast downloads and understand exactly what things are happening with your show, which is really key, right? Just there's not a lot of data that uh, a lot of tools give us access to, and Buzzsprout is some of the best. They'll even help you build a website for your podcast so your audience can easily find you online and listen to all the episodes right from your site too, if, even if you don't have a website. On the technical side, this is one of the coolest things I've seen in a while. Through the host, Buzzsprout, you can automatically optimize your audio through their newest feature, Magic Mastering. So Magic Mastering is like an Instagram filter, but for your audio. And it takes the audio you have and just automatically masters it to match the Apple Podcast authoring best practices. It's totally awesome. Just, I love them because not only is it just a super easy tool to use, but I know the team there. They are the sponsor of this episode. And I wanted to make sure you got to know who they are because they're they're a great tool. And if you're just starting out with Buzzsprout, you can actually get a special deal. Their plans start at $12 a month. Buzzsprout is a wonderful partner of mine and, you know, you can actually get 33% more time on your plan, whichever plan you choose, just through this link alone. And that's smartpassiveincome.com slash buzzsprout. And that's a huge deal, 33% extra time on your plan just by going through that link. You can claim that again by going to smartpassiveincome.com slash buzzsprout. Check them out, they're awesome. Hello. Hello. And welcome to today's session of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. Sorry, I just had to do that after that intro there. Uh, But this is going to be a great episode today. Thank you so much for joining me. It's super stoked because we're talking about a different side of passive income with our guest today, something I've never talked about and really never even thought about before. But after conducting this interview with this person, um, my mind was pretty much just going everywhere. I had a lot of gears turning, and you might feel the same way. And he makes it sound really easy. And I'm sure it's it's a little bit hard, but also I, I, it's actually not as hard as I thought it would be after I started thinking about all this stuff. So what am I talking about? Well, this person, he has licensed over 30 different ideas, which all generate a passive income for him. Uh, that's right, 30 different ideas. And you know, we always hear, especially in the online world, well, an idea isn't worth very much. It's the execution on that idea. However, that being said, I think this person would disagree with that. He's behind such inventions such as the Teddy Bruxpin. The Teddy Bruxpin, that was a toy I had when I was little, laser tag, and something that's really cool that he's working on now called the Spin Label. He's licensed these ideas, and he's getting paid for that, and he walks us through exactly how to do that. This is Stephen Key, who is a New York Times bestseller of a book called One Simple Idea. You can find him at inventright.com. Uh, he's he's the co- one of the co-founders of inventright.com. 
And this just is is pretty awesome information that we're going to get here in terms of if you have an idea, but you don't necessarily have the means to actually creating this product or actually starting a company of your own, you can actually license your ideas and get paid royalties for those things. And there's a whole bunch of things that are involved in doing that, certain forms and certain sort of etiquettes involved. And um, you just we just get the whole deal here from Steven. So without further ado, let's uh, let's hear from Stephen Key again from inventright.com. Hey, everybody. I'm joined with Stephen Key. Stephen, welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast. Uh, it's an honor to have you here. Thank you so much. Well, thank you very much, Pat. Stephen, why don't you tell everybody out there, I mean, you're an inventor. You've invented a, a number of things. Uh, maybe you can start by naming off some of the things that you've actually invented. I'm sure a lot of us know what they are. Well, first of all, I don't consider myself an inventor. That's, that's a big title. I think I'm just a creative guy. And it's all started out... Uh, I left uh, college a little early, and I didn't really realize I could get a job, so I just started creating things. And some of the ideas, um, one would be the Michael Jordan wall ball. That was basically a basketball, indoor basketball game. The backboard was cut out in the shape of Michael Jordan. It sold for 10 years. I collected royalties, and that's one of them. And uh, there's just a lot of little things that have kind of added up over the years, I think. Yeah, that's really cool. And there's a lot of other things that I know I personally have a connection with, like the Teddy Ruxpin, which was a toy that I had when I was little. Uh, laser tag uh, was pretty cool, too. And something called the Spin Label, which you've been working on lately, which sounds really cool. And um, just it's incredible what you've been able to do here. Absolutely, Pat. That really dates me, too, because if you had a Spin, <laughs> that makes me feel really, really old. But I was... I was very fortunate to um, jump on a startup. It was in Fremont. It was the late 80s. And I was, um, there's 20 of us at the time, and we launched Teddy Ruxpin. We sold 5 million Teddy Ruxpins, and we did. We had a big hit with laser tag. So it was a team effort. I was involved in it and and basically learned a, a lot. That's what yeah, well, that I mean, that's really cool. And thank you so much for coming on again and inspiring us with all that you've done. But I also want to get from you, you know, what concrete steps can we take when we have that idea in our head? Perhaps, you know, we're living our daily lives and we just wish something was more convenient or we have an idea for something, but we don't know where to get started. You know, I talk about online business and building solutions for people who have pains, problems and issues and wants and needs online. But what about that physical product? Like my mind doesn't even know where to go in terms of where to start with providing a physical sort of tangible product solution for somebody who has a pain or problem out there. I mean, give us, you know, help us out here. Well, it's not that complicated, actually. Today, companies want ideas. The appetite for new ideas is tremendous. And companies, for the first time, Pat, have really have opened their doors saying, hey, do you, have a, do you have an idea? And what they're looking for is not an idea that we have to reinvent the wheel. They're looking for small improvements on existing products. And the reason why it doesn't require more, more education Number two, it's probably going to be easy to manufacture, and they already have a market for it. So you don't have to be an inventor. Everyone has an idea. Companies are looking for ideas. You just have to present it in a correct fashion, file a little bit of ownership. It's called a provisional patent application, a PPA. You can file it for $65, and you're in the game. That's how easy it is. It almost sounds a little too easy, you know, when you think about it. But I mean, what if I have an idea, what, what can I do? Can I just go up to a company and be like, hey, guys, I have this idea, um, start paying me. I mean, how is this formally 
uh, done. You know, what's really nice about this, you don't have to fly out and have a meeting, make this big presentation. No, you don't have to do that. In fact, this is a, a great process for anybody that has an idea that wants to stay home, actually. What you need to do is you put together a one-page sell sheet. It's a one-page advertising. It has a one-line benefit statement at the top, right? Condense your idea into one sentence at the very top. Why do people care? Show a problem. Show your solution. That's your idea. Have a few benefits on it and your contact information. It's the most important tool to license ideas to company, to companies is that sell sheet, and it's not difficult to do. Wow. So, so you could essentially just license your idea. You don't even need a prototype or anything like that. You could just give them the idea. The, the old way, it was when people would build prototypes and they would polish them up and perfect them over the years. They would go out and file a patent, which is very, very expensive. And then they would reach out to the marketplace and say, hey, does anybody really want this or like this? Is it a marketable idea? I do it completely different. I put together a sell sheet. First of all, let's back up. If I see an opportunity, I will come up with a variation on somebody's existing product. I will uh, have a sell sheet done, and I can have a sell sheet done on Elance or Fiverr for probably under $50. 3D, computer-generated, looks like the real deal for under $50. I get that, you know, I prepare that. I reach out to a company. I tell them I'm a product developer, not an inventor, because that really gives them a weird idea. Basically, you probably are kind of weird, but besides that. And you you send the, you you call them up. You say, hey, look, I'm a product developer. I'd like to submit an idea to your company. Who do I need to speak to? You get that? You get that email or that, that telephone, and you send them your sell sheet. Let your sales sheet sell for you. That's, that's how it works. And if they like it, they're going to call you back. That's as simple as that. What are some tips you have for us in terms of our sell sheet? How do we make it a great sell sheet? You talked about the benefit statement. How do we make a great benefit statement? The one-line benefit statement is, is critical. And you can, you'll see this one-line benefit statement in advertising, on, on billboards. You'll see it even on the subject line of emails. It grabs your attention. That's what it does. It's like, hey, why do I care? I have a product that I've licensed for 15 years. I collect uh, royalties from it. It's a rotating label. It's called a spin label. And the, the biggest benefit is that it allows consumers to interact with their, with, um, the, their consumers interact with the package. But I call it add 75% more space to your package. Now that space could be used for a lot of different things. Find that gut emotional benefit to the consumer and make and condense it in one sentence. It's it's the most critical thing you can do. So, uh, is the is the benefit statement for the end consumer, or or is it for those who will be you know who, those who we are actually pitching this product idea to? Great question. It's always to their end consumer. See, they know who their consumers are. They they know potentially what they're going to like. They know the holes that they probably have in their product line. So when you pitch it to them, like they would pitch it to their consumer, they get it right away. So, because we're all consumers, we all know what we like and what we don't like. So that's the way to pitch it. Okay, awesome. Um, now, you know, I watch a little bit of television and sometimes I see these commercials for for companies who are like, hey, if you have an idea, 
that you want to get invented, uh, you know, go with us and then, you know, they send you a bunch of stuff and like, is that a legit way to get started? And I mean, this sounds completely different. It, it, it's absolutely completely different. I believe you need to empower yourself. I believe that you can do this yourself. I have for over 30 years. I teach students all around the world that you reach out to a company uh, with a good idea, a good sell sheet, show them an idea, find a hole, find a sleeping dinosaur, find something they missed, and they'll respond back to you and build that relationship yourself. Now, there are companies out there that want to do everything for you. Mm -hmm. Now, I've learned from experience, Pat, and you probably know this too. Sometimes if it looks too good to be true, what is it? Probably too good to be true. true. Yes. All right. So if it sounds too great, you know, avoid it. Do this. I tell everybody, it's really simple. Whoever you're going to work with, type in their name, you know, on Google, type in their name and type in complaints. As if if you're doing something that's not correct, people are going to be talking about it, right? So kick the tires on whoever you're going to work with. But I believe. It, like in anything in life, you're going to have to do it yourself. There you go. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And, and thank you for that, Stephen. Now, going back to the sell sheet. And and so so let's imagine you have a product idea. I mean, do you put all your uh, effort for that one idea? And, and or do you like, you know, create a bunch of ideas and throw them against the wall and sort of see what sticks? All right. That, that's actually a wonderful question, too. As in anything in life. The more you do it, the better you're going to get it. The better you're going to be, right? So mm-hmm. if you want to hit a home run, you got to get up to bat. So I'm telling everybody, look, if you've got a great idea, get in the game. It's not that difficult. You don't have to file patents or build prototypes. Here's a very simple way to show a company a potential way for them to make more money, right? That's the bottom line. So companies want ideas. They don't care so much about protection. Everybody thinks you have to have a patent. That's not necessarily true. The bottom line is this, you need to take some action. It's always going to be a numbers game in anything you do. So increase your chances of success by doing this. Come up with a lot of ideas. Number two, reach out to a lot of companies. Stay in an industry for a while. And the reason why you want to stay in one industry for a while, you'll get to know all the players, you'll build the relationships. And before you know it, they're going to be telling you what they're looking for. There you go. So it's always a numbers game. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I, I think a lot of people listening to this are concerned about the idea of, you know, not filing a patent or not protecting their idea. I mean, what's what's not to stop a company that you pitch this product to from saying, wow, that's a great idea. Let's just go with it. Like, screw that guy. Let's just run with it and consider it our own idea. All right. Let's 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 kick the fear to the curb. Now, number one. When you file a provisional patent application, it's called a PPA, you can put patent pending on your product. Perfect. That puts them on, noti- that notifies them that, hey, you, you've gone ahead and you filed uh, some, you know, USPTO, one of the tools to protect your ideas. That carries a lot of weight. That carries a message. Number two, always do your homework on the company you're submitting it to. Type in their name, type in complaints, see how they treat outside product developers. You're not an inventor, you're a product developer. Number three, always recap your conversations with next steps, right, in an email. So you have a paper trail. Perfect. Now, imagine this. Because you have a provisional patent application, they don't know if it's going to issue or not. It's, a, it's, a, it's kind of a gray area. 
there's no absolute. So right away, they have to deal with you maybe legally if they do something that's not exactly correct in the future, which they don't want. Number two, they need us. They're looking for ideas because of open innovation. More companies are looking outside their walls for the first time. And the, the biggest thing is social media, right? You know, it used to be where you could tell your neighbor. Now you can tell the world if someone has treated you incorrectly. But here's the big catch here. Can you imagine being in a company and some little idea comes to you and you just love it? And someone in the group says, hey, how are we going to rip this guy off? That doesn't play well, right? Okay, there you go. So forget the fear. It's all in your mind. I've been doing it for 30 years. Very. And I have been in federal court. I had to, I had to take a company uh, to federal court, a little toy company called Legos. And uh, had, to, had to stick up for my rights. The system works. That's what I'm here to tell you. And it's easy to do. And don't be fearful. You know, and speaking of fear, you know, I'm imagining a number of listeners out there who are getting excited about this idea, the idea that they can sort of license their product ideas to other companies. But then, you know, that resistance starts to come into play, that fear, that all that work and those ideas are just going to be shot down or it's not going to work. I mean, how do you address that? Well, no one has to crystal ball on what's a good idea. So don't worry about it. Don't overthink it. Everybody does. Forget that. Do this. Do a Google product search. Simple. See if your idea, first of all, if someone has come up with your idea already. There's a good chance you're going to find it. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But you want to know up front if someone else has come up with something similar. I can guarantee you one thing. You're going to find similar ideas. That's perfectly fine. But do they have your idea? Does your idea have the benefit that's stronger than the current products on the market today? Number two, you can go to Google Patents, type in a couple different words, maybe that kind of describes your idea, and see if someone has filed a patent on it before. It's called prior art. What I'm saying to this, do your homework up front. That first step I call studying the marketplace. Make sure your idea is marketable. There you go. There's the catch. And then start moving forward with maybe a sell sheet, maybe a provisional patent application called a PPA, and then start reaching out to companies. You know what I tell everybody? Look, if you want to get excited about this, if you have an idea and you think um, a particular company could be interested, we'll talk about how to find those companies in just a minute, call them up. Tell them you're a product developer. Ask them the process. What do you need to do? And when they say, hey, we want to see your idea, tell me. That will light a fire under your rear end really quick. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Now, Stephen, tell me, what if you do your market research and you find a product that's very similar to yours? You know, it it might even be just the, exactly the same. Like, where is the line drawn between, you know, it's unique enough where you're not going to get in trouble for it if you are, were to actually, uh, you know, move forward with it? Well, just just believe in yourself. Trust your gut that you're a consumer too. Look at that idea and, like I said, you're always going to find similar ideas. If you don't find a similar idea you, you better walk away from your idea right away because th- there's probably no market for it. So find something similar, but compare yours. What benefits do you have that are greater than the one that's on the store shelf? In fact, I think the best way to create is to create for the market. Go down to the stores, look at the products that already exist, make a small improvement, right? Just make it enough to go, hey, This is a little bit better. This is a little bit easier. This might even be a little bit cheaper. It does the same thing. It's those small things that companies are looking for. So you don't have to reinvent the wheel. No. All right. So 
where do we find these companies to give our sell sheets to? Where do we start? This is so much fun. It's really easy. Go down to the store that you want your idea to be in. So let's say I've got this idea and it's a new hammer. And it makes it it makes it really kind of because of the cushion of the the handle or whatever you do, I can I can nail I can hit nail straight every time, or maybe I can work all day long. Who cares what it is? You go down to all the retail environments that are selling hammers. It could be Walmart, it could be Home Depot, and look at the world of hammers. Right? That's what you need to do. Look at them all. Find that shelf space that your idea is going to be on. Draw this big circle. And those are all those other companies that are next to yours. Those are the ones you're going to call. It's that simple. Huh. So go to the store, see the other companies that are serving that market and find those people. Absolutely. Because what you're going to show them is a slight improvement. You're going to show them because they have the shelf space already. Perfect. See, what we're talking about is licensing. You come up with an idea. You're going to rent it or license it to a company, they're going to pay you a royalty for every one they sell. Oh, it's a perfect business model for these guys, because guess what? They don't have to pay you at the very beginning, but they pay you on the back end. So you you look at their product. What I do, I look at their whole product line, and I try to find problems. I try to find something they've missed. Now, you'd be surprised how much these big companies miss all the time, because they're putting out fires, they're doing all this other stuff, some of the simplest things they just overlook. And that's when I feed that idea back to them. They already have the shelf space. They have the manufacturing. They've got the distribution. They've got the advertising. They're the perfect partner. It's called Speed to Market Today. Why start a company when you can find the perfect partner that can get your idea so fast on the shelf? That's today. It's Speed to Market. Speed to Market. Speed to Market. Got it. Thank you. Now, okay. I have this great idea for a hammer. I'm at the store. I go and I see four different companies. There's four different companies making hammers that I could go to. Do I go to do I go to all of them? Do I, you know, is there a way to have them, you know, have like a bidding war for my idea? Like how does that work? Or which one do I reach out to? I would love for someone to do a bidding war <laughs> idea. So too good to be true, right? So I think it those are those stories you hear on in Hollywood, right? Mm-hmm. It's never happened to me, but this is what you want to do. You want to call them all. Right. And there's such a thing as an easy idea versus a hard idea. And when you only find four players in one particular category, that's going to be a little bit difficult. Right. But most most ideas, they'll have 10 or 20 people participating. So you've got small players, middle size, and you have large players. Realize this. The larger the player you're reaching out to, they don't need you. Okay, I hate to say that, but they don't. It's the smaller guy that does, right? So my strategy is I'm going to call them all, but I'm going to realize that the bigger guy, you know, he's already got the market share. He's feeling pretty good. He's only going to need me if the little guy's biting into his business. So I go to the mid-sized guy, but I do call them all just because one day I might get lucky and get the real big guy. So I call them all. That's really cool. Uh, Steven, do you have any case studies or success stories of someone doing this exact strategy and, and what came out of it? I have one idea. Uh, my spin labels probably made over $10 million for me. And it still does. Uh, and it's an idea that someone else invented. I didn't even invent it. Someone else did. Um, and people always wonder, Steve, how do you collect royalties on something you didn't invent? Well, 
someone invented it 50 years ago, but didn't know how to manufacture it. So all my patents, and there's probably close to close to 17 patents on that, are all how to manufacture it. So there's always different ways. It's never black or white. Um, so that's one idea. My Michael Jordan wall ball, probably the first year made $100,000 and sold for 10 years. And there's tons of stuff I had. The stuff that you have to watch out for is this. Some industries are tougher than others. Packaging industry, which my label's in, is a very tough industry. You have to understand manufacturing. I wouldn't recommend that to anybody starting out. Number two, toys, novelty, pet, household, do-it-yourself, uh, hardware. Those are great industries. Those industries are on fire. They're growing because people are staying home. They're doing more things themselves. They're eating at home. Jump into those industries. They want you. They need you. They love you. Awesome. Now, can, can you talk a little bit about how licensing works? Like, say I go to a company and, yes, they're interested in my idea. Like, at that point, do I have to hire an attorney to make things official? And, and then from there, I mean, maybe let's just start with that question. Well, that's a good question. Um, I try to keep attorneys out of it as long as I can. You're going to need them soon enough, but that's not what that's not my strategy. I reach out to a company. And just realize the minute you reach out to the company, negotiation is starting. Mm -hmm. and you don't know it, but it really is. You're reaching out to them. You filed a little perceived ownership with your PPA. You've got your sales sheet. You found your benefit. You send it to them and you get this call back. It always surprises people, but you get the call back and they say, look, we're interested. It all starts right there. So you ask them a little bit about themselves. You try to figure out how many stores they're in. You can go online. You can ask them. But the bottom line is you're going to start with a term sheet, big picture term sheet. Do they want an exclusive? Oh, I love that when they say yes. Do they, you know, maybe the royalty rate standards when three to 5%, anything more than that's kind of difficult to get. You might ask them minimum guarantees. Minimum guarantees is the most important part of a contract. Meaning if I'm going to give you an exclusive, you're going to have to pay me minimum guarantees, a minimum amount of money each year to keep that exclusivity. So you talk about three or four big term, uh, big, big picture items in the sell sheet. And once you agree to that, then you go to a contract. I usually have them write it. They want to write it. It's very expensive. And trust me, it is the ugliest document you've ever seen. So that's when I start working. It's line by line, taking your time. Don't get in a hurry. And eventually I'll bring in a, a licensing attorney that deals with contracts, especially licensing uh, type of contracts. And then we just close it up with certain language. But it takes a long, it takes about 30 days to, to cut a deal. And uh, the, the thing that's really nice about it is that your royalty rates, like I said, is going to be between 3 and 5%. Uh, your minimum guarantees is your best tool. Because if for some reason they stop selling it, you get it back. Now, sometimes what I'll do, I'll ask for some money up front, Right. And I, I'll ask them, and no one likes, that's called top loading a deal. No one likes that. So I'll ask them, instead of giving me a licensing fee, could you help pay for the patents? So then I get them to pay for all the intellectual property, the patents. Now, I still file them. I still have my attorneys, but they pay for it. So at the end of the day, they're paying for your protection because it, it serves them well, because if they have an exclusive, they benefit from it. And number two, if for some reason it comes back to you, you get it back. They paid for your patents. You're ready to license it to somebody else. And I've done that multiple times. Awesome. Now, you know, we, we've talked through this 
fairly quickly, and I think we're near the end of the process here, but you know, are we missing anything or is, is it all covered in, in your book, for example? I have a couple books out. One of them is called One Simple Idea um, from McGraw-Hill. It's a yellow book. It's about licensing. It's been in the top 10 of Amazon for over three years, and it's been translated in five different languages. One of my early students was Tim Ferriss, said some nice things mm-hmm. about me in his four-hour work week. That's how I remember. you usually find me. The second book is a red book. It's called uh, One Simple Idea for Startups and Entrepreneurs, How to Take Simple Ideas, Test Them, and Bring Them to Market. I've done that as well. It's licensing. I've done venturing as well. And then I'm working on a, a third and fourth book now. So I'm easy to find. But my message to everybody, everybody has an idea. Don't sit on the couch and later say to your wife or your spouse, hey, I had that idea. Because I will guarantee you, if you have an idea, sooner or later, you're going to see it on the marketplace and you're going to kick yourself for not doing anything about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't even tell you how many times I've heard myself say that before or a lot of other people around me, too. It's just, you know, you, you got to take action on it. You have to move and it's not hard to do. You can do everything for under $200. Come on, you guys. There's no business that can return this high of, of revenue for under $200, guaranteed. Stephen, thank you again so much for coming on today and spending some time with us and sharing uh, you know, your experience and the tips and, and, and the strategies behind this interesting and different kind of generating passive income that we've never talked about on the show before. And again, I think a lot of people are going to be uh, you know, pretty excited after listening to this. But of course, there is, there is work involved. But like you said, it might not be as hard as you think as long as you take action. And uh, you know, of course, uh, definitely check out Stephen's book, one simple idea. So Stephen, if anybody wants to contact you or see more of what you're up to, where should they go? Very simple. Go to invent right. You don't want to invent wrong. You want to invent right.com. You can find me there and you can always just Google my name, Stephen key, and it's easy to find me. You rock. Thanks so much, Stephen. Take care. And, um, we'll talk soon. Thank you, Pat. All right, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Stephen Key, again, from inventright.com. Not invent wrong, but invent right. I really like how he threw that in there. It's really hard to forget after you hear something like that. Uh, Anyway, all the show notes, the links, and the resources mentioned in this particular episode can be found at smartpassiveincome.com slash session 126. Again, a very great and interesting and different conversation, and I'm interested to hear what you think. So if if you have any comments, and thoughts about this, perhaps you've done this before and want to uh, offer some advice and some of your experience to the SPI audience, um, head on over to the show notes and leave some comments there. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash session 126. Hey, and really quick, I want to let you know about a page on the website that might be really helpful for you. A lot of you are already taking action on what you've heard on the podcast, which is fantastic, but a lot of you have also messaged me asking for more deeper information, more fine-tuned and highly targeted information for specific problems and pains that you might be having. So what I did was I actually put together a few courses. There's more courses actually coming down the road, uh, but you could check out all the courses and things that are available to you there at smartpassiveincome.com slash courses. My team and I have worked really hard to put together the best information that'll help you solve specific problems that you might be having in your business. So if you're just starting out and you need help and you need accountability, handholding, you want a community behind this as well, check it out. Smartpassiveincome.com slash courses. You can see what's available there. All different kinds of courses to help you through a number of different things you might be working on. And like I said, there are more courses coming down the road too. So one more time, smartpassiveincome.com slash courses. 
Awesome. Thank you again so much for your time today. If you have any questions you'd like potentially answered on, uh, you know, live on the airwaves here, you can actually go to askpat.com, which is my other show where five days a week I answer a question from the audience. And that person also gets a free T-shirt from me, a free Ask Pat T-shirt. You can check out all the previous questions and even submit your question at askpat.com. Thank you again so much for your half hour today. I appreciate you so much. Uh, Just have a rocking day. I'll see you in the next episode. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com. Goodbye. Goodbye. See you later.